This is an NC Baptist resource. For more, visit ncbaptist.org. Welcome to the NC Baptist Podcast, the podcast designed to engage with ministry leaders around topics that will explore approaches and resources to help us be on mission together. It's because of your generosity that this resource is available. Learn more at ncbaptist.org slash give or contact us at communications at ncbaptist.org. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the NC Baptist Podcast. Bradley Norris here with NC Baptist with two amazing people. Today we have Danny Franks with us, who's pastor of guest services at the Summit Church, and Ashley Reffitt, associate campus director of discipleship at the Summit, as well as a women's discipleship consultant here with NC Baptist. Danny, just tell us a little bit about yourself for our listeners as we get started today. Yeah, well, Bradley, thanks for having me. And uh, as you said, pastor of guest services at the Summit, been in that role or roles similar to that at the Summit for the last 20 years. Been married for 30. Uh, We have four kids from grown and married and gone all the way down to a 12-year-old middle schooler. My favorite current title is Pops because I have a one-year-old granddaughter who has changed everything for the good in our world. Uh, But I think my greatest claim to fame is uh, leading a team at the Summit several years ago that created an environment where one Bradley and Christy Norris uh, met and got married. So I think that that's maybe my greatest achievement uh, on the resume. There you go. Danny is responsible for my wife and I getting together. Ashley, tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, It is a joy. I get to serve both the local church and I'm here at NC Baptist. And also, this is my favorite topic to put together, discipleship and guest services all combined together. So it's a joy to be here today. I have served with NC Baptist for the last several years with Women's Discipleship. I hope the ladies of the state will join us for our annual women's conference coming up in October and registration opens later this month. Awesome. Excited about that conference that's coming up. We're talking about hospitality in the church today and what that can look like. And Danny, I'm going to kick the first question to you. Why should churches um, even give focused attention to the subject of hospitality? Yeah, I think, first of all, it's really important to define our terms, whether we're talking hospitality, first impressions, guest services, whatever. It's all centered around this idea of being a hospitable people. Um, Scripture very clearly gives us both an individual and a corporate call to hospitality. Um, Individually, we're to be people who are showing grace to one another, who are welcoming strangers um, corporately. That that translates really well into the weekend service, into our small groups and Sunday school classes, to make sure that we are doing everything that we can to help outsiders become insiders. Mm, That's good. That's good. Ashley, what would you like to add to that about hospitality? I think it's just the gospel. Um, Mm. As we look at what the word gospel even means by definition, the life and teachings of Jesus. And if we look at his life and we look at how he taught and how he lived, and we see that. We see hospitality for everyone, for his family, for the people on the streets. We see that for people in the synagogue. We see that for sinners, most of all, um, that that's how he lived his life. That's right. That's right. That's really good. Well, Danny, as we talk about this, do you have any defining principles as you think about hospitality um, in the context of the church? What are some defining principles or themes that you find to be really um, important for all churches? Yeah, for the team that Ashley and I serve as a part of, which we we call the guest services team, um, we have five very driving and defining principles. Maybe we can just kind of go back and forth uh, on these, and we'll we'll both talk through those. But principle one, and really the thing that serves as our North Star, is that the gospel is offensive, but nothing else should be. 
Mm-hmm. Um, now, obviously, every time that you say that the gospel is offensive, somebody just unsubscribe from the podcast. I get that. <laughs> uh, but but the gospel says about itself that it it's offensive. First uh, Corinthians one eighteen, Paul says that the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those of us who are being saved, it is the power of God. So we recognize we can't backpedal on the gospel. We can't make it more palatable to the masses. We, we have to do everything that we can um, to proclaim the gospel in its full truth and its full glory. But the road to the gospel ought to be paved with, as I say often, rose petals and puppy fur um, to make sure that um, there is nothing else that is serving as a barrier to keep people from understanding uh, the gospel. So, so that's plumb line number one. Ashley, you want to give number two? Number two is probably my favorite. It's the why matters more than the what. And I'm a type A girl. I love rules and structure. And so the Lord really has worked on me with this, that what we do matters, but why we do it is the purpose, why we do all of this. Um, Just to show people the gospel is why we do it. And the what we do is not really our focus. It's important to know someone's name. It's important to hold a door. It's important to make someone feel welcome. But it's important to do that because that's the biblical command and how we should live our life as Christians. Yeah, plumb line number three for us is everything speaks. Uh, that is just a, that's a direct quote from one of the greatest guest services practitioners of all time, a guy named Walter Elias Disney. And Disney believed that details matter and that every element of of everything that we do ought to contribute to the grander story. Now we recognize that we have the greatest story to tell. And so we want to make sure that what we're saying or not saying on the weekend is contributing and not detracting from the story of the gospel. We want to make sure that everything is pointing towards Jesus and and nothing is competing um, for people to be able to see him clearly. That's great. Actually, would you mind actually elaborating a little bit? What are some things maybe you've seen in, in churches from time to time that you think kind of distract us from the gospel? So many things. To focus on people's opinions, like when we focus on what what is popular or what is trendy or what are, how do we get the numbers or how do we impress the people when that's not what we're here for. We're here to teach the Word of God um, and to worship as a body of, of believers together. And so anytime we, we do anything that takes the focus off of that, um, I think that becomes an issue. Yeah, that's good. Denny, anything you'd like to add about that? Yeah, I, I think it could, to go along with what Ashley said about uh, falling to our opinion, it could also fall to a situation of just sheer overlook of issues that are easily fixable, quality issues like a misspelled lyric on a screen or a transition in the service that is confusing to somebody who is on the outside or a, a practice inside of the service that someone who didn't grow up in church could could really derail them if it's not explained well. Anything from communion to baptism to giving to whatever it is, those are things that are very familiar artifacts for us and important things that that should be a core of what we do as as a part of a worship service. But unless we explain them well to an outsider, um, they see those things much differently than those of us who are familiar with them might. That's great. Ashley, uh, share with us another principle that you guys have on the area of guest services. Um, Number four is make it personal. And so um, that one's kind of self-explanatory, but really, if we think about it, church is a communal thing. Um, And the body of Christ is the church, and it is a body of believers. But we want that to be personal. When you come to church, someone should know your name. Someone should know who you are. Someone should be able to just speak into your life. And so we want to make things personal. We want to make people realize that we see them, that we're here for them when they're in crisis. We're here to pray with them. Um, Jesus was personal. and He wants a personal relationship with us. 
And it's our goal to be personal with the people that we worship with and we minister to. That's great. Danny, I think before I've heard you describe this as on the weekend, a lot of times you can have both the flock mentality and a sheep mentality. Elaborate a little bit on that as you think about the weekend for the guests. Yeah, I think when it comes to the flock, we recognize that we're going into the weekend recognizing that we are taking large groups of people into certain areas. So if you're a family with children, you might be going to the kids' area first. If you're a family who volunteers, you might be going to check in for your spot first. If you're just showing up, you might be heading to the auditorium. So even in something as simple as signage, we recognize that not everybody is going to the same place, but everybody's going someplace. So we want to help someone who's been in your church facility for 500 times or their first time to know in intuitively where it is that they are supposed to go. But then uh, to follow up with Ashley's point, the make it personal aspect works also for the person because we recognize that through the Holy Spirit, we have the opportunity to be able to see the person that God has placed in our path for that Sunday. And I always say one of the most dangerous prayers that you'll ever pray on the way to church is, Lord, help me see the person that you've got me here for this morning. Uh, In SBC world, we talk about who's your one. And I think on a Sunday morning, we can have a one that God puts in our path. And uh, if we pray that prayer sincerely, I think that the, the Holy Spirit will crack a rib elbowing us in the middle of the lobby or across the auditorium to show us the one that he's put in our path that morning. That's great. Danny, why don't you wrap up with... Point number five from your principles. Yes, yeah. Point yeah. number five is that the first visit should always set up the second visit. Um, and, and we say that very, very intentionally because we recognize that it's not about um, church growth. It's not about getting on Outreach Magazine's top 100 fastest growing churches list or whatever. The first visit setting up the second visit means that built into that first weekend for a guest, we have to make sure that we are building a level of trust um, with that person where they they trust us to believe that this is a place that wanted me here. They couldn't wait for me to show up. They can't wait for me to come back. Because we recognize if we can build that sort of trust, then they will oftentimes come back and they'll hear the gospel presented again and again and again. It goes back full circle to that first plumb line of the gospel's offensive, but nothing else should be. The gospel may very well cut and cut deep the first time that they hear it uh, to the point that they might reject it. But if we can get them to the point where they don't reject the, the church or a relationship with the people within the church outright, and they come back and they build that trust, then the, the ultimate trust that we want them to build is with Jesus. And that's who we want to point them to. But we can't disciple people that we can't keep. We can't send people that we don't keep. And so we've got to be very careful um, that we're doing all that we can uh, to build that trust so that we'll bring them back. That sounds great. As we talk about um, these principles, one thing that comes to mind that I know from both of you um, from past conversations is there's a particular word, um, visitor, that you are particularly um, offended by. My skin just crawled (laughs) as you said that. I broke out in hives when you said the V word. Why is this (laughs) word so offensive to you? Well, you know, I, I say that a little tongue in cheek, but it is one of those that um, I think that there is a marked difference between the word visitor and the word guest. A visitor is somebody who shows up at my house at 930 on a Tuesday night. I did not know that they were coming. I wasn't planning on them. I can't figure out when they're going to leave. What am I supposed to do with this person? Um, a guest is somebody that we've prepared for. We have gone to the grocery store. We have dusted things around the house to make sure that the house is ready for them when they come in. Uh, we have a plan for how the conversation is going to go. It, it's somebody that we 
enjoy being with us. And and on the weekend at a church, if, if we are talking about people as though they are visitors, then a visitor is maybe going to be somebody who shows up once and never shows up again. But a guest is somebody, again, that we've just we've planned for and we want them there. Share with me a little bit about how does that mindset affect how you approach the weekend, that guest versus visitor? How does it even affect for discipleship? How does that affect your hospitality even beyond the Sunday service? So everyone's a guest at the summit. Um, even if Pastor J.D. walked in the doors, he is a guest, and we treat everyone the same. And so um, our team is even out in the morning as our volunteers come in, and those are our guests. And we want, as they're coming in to go to their spot in the kids' section or serving in students or wherever they are, we want to welcome them so they realize that we're glad that they're here just as much as we want to welcome the families that come in that we know, just as much as we want to welcome the first-time guests that we've never met before. Um, it's just really important is for everyone to feel like they belong and everyone to feel like they're wanted and everyone to feel like this is a safe place for me to come and for me to worship and I want to be here. That's great. How have you seen that uh, even impact how you reach out to people um, in discipleship relationships beyond Sunday? So Monday Matters is another big thing that we have for guest services at the summit, and that matters. Like, if you come to the service, it matters that if you give me your information that I actually follow up with you. Um, If you give me your information and you never hear from me, that's offensive. And so Monday Matters in the the fact that follow-up matters. Um, These are people, and we want them to know that we are glad that they were here, and we want them to know that we want to help them plug in. And so when we make these phone calls and when we connect with these people, it's not just, hey, thanks for coming. It's also, like, tell me about how can I resource you or how can I help you? Do you have kids? And let me connect you to our kids pastor. Do you have students? Let me connect you to our students ministry. Are you looking for a Bible study or things like that? And so really it's a connection to get them discipled into the church and to find them a place in the church where they can be discipled. Mm. I love that connection back to discipleship. It's not just about the weekend. It's also about um, making disciples um, all the way around. One thing I want to ask about is that I think this is kind of a elephant in the room with this conversation is this can kind of feel like a, a conversation that applies more to a, a medium-sized church or a church where you don't know everybody, but the normative NC Baptist church of 150 or less, this conversation can feel to some of them like, man, does this even um, apply to me? Danny, would you mind just elaborating a little bit? Why does this apply from your perspective to every church, not just some churches? Bradley, I think that is a great question. And, you know, there is a certain sense in which uh, to have this you know, what can feel like a manufactured experience, you know, where we put a team together that their one job is to be nice to people. It can feel a little fakey, kind of plasticky or whatever. But if hospitality is both an individual mandate and a corporate mandate that we're given from Scripture, then it stands to reason that that is an entirely scalable mandate as well. And because you're a very, very large church where people can remain anonymous, or you're a very, very small church where you might get just one or two guests in a given calendar year, that doesn't give us a pass on the biblical mandate to be hospitable. And so I I think that there are transferable principles. All of those plumb lines that we just talked about a few minutes ago are transferable no matter what the size of the church is. Now, there are particulars that you've got to figure out. What does a a team look like? What does a structure look like? What does follow-up look like? How do you do this in kind of a start-and-go mentality where you don't have a steady influx of first-time guests that are coming in every week, but maybe you have one or two a quarter or one a year or whatever? I, I think those are important conversations to have. 
have, but it doesn't mean that we ignore the conversation. And it doesn't mean that we're not ready whenever a guest shows up. That's really great. I've heard a lot of churches um, say before, we're a friendly church. You know, we're, we welcome everyone in. I mean, why do we need to even be intentional about this? Because we, we do feel fake if we do that. Yeah, I, I think that the we're just so friendly uh, phrase is a myth that will kill the hospitable culture in a church before it ever get, even gets started. Um, because across North Carolina and across the U.S. and across the world, I have never visited a church that I would say was not friendly. You can stand in the back of the auditorium and see people hugging necks and shaking hands and getting caught up on the week and, and everything. But what typically that translates to is we're just so friendly to each other. But it takes a lot of intentionality, as you said, to walk across the lobby and to have the courage to stick out your hand to somebody that you've never met before or to see someone across the auditorium that you're not sure that you have seen or or you know for a fact that you haven't seen and nobody is really talking to them. So should it be your job to go and talk to them? There's a tremendous amount of intentionality that's got to go into that. And so we can't just say that we fall on the laurels of our own friendliness. We have to be very intentional in the process to help somebody who is on the outside feel like a part of the family. Ashley, I feel like that connects back to where we were talking about just kind of focusing on the individual and making it personal um, to them, because I've heard it said before that a person alone in church is possibly a person in crisis in church. Um, How can this lead to discipleship and biblical community on the weekend by just having an eye out for the person who's alone or the person who is away from others? I think it's important in the church, but I think it's important in all areas of our life. And this is where I think guest services isn't just what we do on Sundays in church. It's it's our life, and it's what should define us as a believer. Um, And so we should be looking for the people alone in our lives, on the pews on Sunday morning or in our Sunday school class, um, but also the people alone at work, the people alone in your neighborhood or wherever it is, because we're supposed to live this out every day. That's what the gospel is. And so how are we living on mission truly? being the gospel to those around us and seeing the needs of people of those around us and then how do we meet those needs and if we don't have a relationship with people it's much harder to connect with them it's much harder to disciple them but when we have a relationship built with them they know that we're a safe place to come when they are in crisis and they know that they can bring their crisis to us and it's a safe thing and so it's really important like that's kind of the principles of this it's to meet people's needs but it's also to build a relationship so that we are there and there's a trust when it's time to disciple them. It's an opportunity to advance the Great Commission, is what I'm hearing both of you say. Is this an opportunity for us to to take the gospel, um, not just both into the pew that may come in on the weekend, as well as into the street and into the home and into life? Because hospitality, as both of you have said, is about welcoming in the, the person who is estranged, the person who is apart from us, the person who is um, away. One other question in the area of small church for you, Danny. Any other particular um, myths that you found in the small church context uh, that you think really may undermine this idea of biblical hospitality in the church? Yeah, I think there's a few. And and actually, full disclosure, I'm actually in the middle of a series uh, on the guest services blog that I write on small churches, so churches of 150 or less. Um, because I, I recognize, like, being in a, a larger church, I don't know what I don't know. And even though I grew up in a very small church and, and my ministry history pre-summit has been in smaller churches, the fact is I've been in a larger one for the last uh, several years. And so some of those myths, just pretty quickly, one is that everyone is a greeter. I don't think that's true. I think that everyone's job is no one's job. And if we just assume that everybody's going to greet everybody that walks in the door, eventually nobody's going to get greeted. Uh, myth 
myth is that we can be all things to all people. Um, I think when Paul gives that, and you may want to check my theology here, but I think that is more of a personal missional mandate that Paul applies to himself and not necessarily a normative principle for a corporate church gathering. Um, I think when a church begins to try to do everything for everybody, suddenly they're nothing to nobody. Uh, myth is that our guests just know it or they'll figure it out. Going back to the, you know, the communion issue that we talked about earlier, well, everybody knows what communion is. Well, not everybody knows what communion is. And we start saying things like, uh, eat the body and drink the blood of Jesus. You mean that's not normal, Danny, <laughs> yeah. in normal street style? Just, you know, it's not It's not something that I normally hear at the local Starbucks. And so um, we have to recognize there's a little bit of hand-holding that we have to do for our guests to help them to wade through some of the things that are, again, very normal for us. And then I think a, another myth is just that um, we assume they'll be back. Uh, th- this is not the you know the Arnold Schwarzenegger uh, you know Terminator idea of guest services. Um, they won't always be back if we don't uh, invite them back. If we don't have a plan for them to come back, if we're not doing things on that first visit to set up the second visit, uh, they may not ever be back. And so I think those are those are some myths that that smaller churches tend to fall into because um, we feel like well we can be nimble, we can respond to those things easily. But w- what I would advocate for is we need a process because whenever a guest shows up, we want to make sure that we are ready for them and we've got those steps in place for them. Well, this has been such a great conversation. Um, Let's get ready to take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll talk about how all of this compels the church to be on mission together. Hey, ladies, coming up this fall, you're invited to join us at our Women's Discipleship Conference. That's happening October 27 and 28. You can find out more information by visiting our website at ncbaptist.org slash byfaith. NC Baptist Women's Discipleship seeks to encourage women to humbly walk with Christ in their world and build strong families capable of creating a legacy of faithfulness. I know you're going to want to learn more so you can be connected to that good work. So visit ncbaptist.org slash women and let us know how we can serve you. Welcome back. We are looking forward to the women's conference coming up. Well, speaking of, registration opened on June the 1st for that. And so, ladies, we hope you will join us this fall for By Faith. And this truly is going to be a continuation of this conversation as we live by faith. Um, Annie Locke is going to be with us from Southeastern Seminary as our main speaker. And then we're also even going to have a breakout session on what does it mean to live by faith and how does biblical hospitality play into that. So we hope you'll join us. As we get started back, Ashley, that's a great um, segue about biblical hospitality. We were talking about myths that the church can believe right before we uh, went to break. What would you add to this conversation, even in the area of biblical hospitality beyond the Sunday service? Um, I would say myth number four, they know it or they'll figure it out, kind of applies as well to discipleship. Lots of times we think um, that someone else is discipling them, whether it's their Sunday school teacher or whether it's their small group leader or whether it's someone in the women's studies or the men's studies or wherever it is, someone else is doing that. And if we all have that mentality of it's someone else, then are we missing that altogether? And so where are we living on mission together? Where are we being a disciple-making disciple? Where are we being discipled? And then where are we discipling others to realize that's not just a command for the leaders of our church. That's not just the task for um, 
the special people. Everyone is special when you are a follower of Christ, and it's it's the command for all of us. Wow, that's really good. It reminds me of something I hear both of you say frequently, that people ultimately are the mission. Danny, somebody is listening in. I'm thinking a pastor, a deacon, a member of a church, and they're saying, man, our, on Sundays, our church doesn't emphasize this like they should, or our church has a ways to go. What would you say to that pastor or deacon or church member? Yeah, I mean, I think that there is a certain sense in which we've got to start exactly where we are. So if you don't have a team at all, um, then maybe have one person. If you've already got one person, then get two people. But in, in all of this, you know, if we say that one of the myths is that everybody's a greeter, in reality, if everybody is, nobody is, then we've got to have somebody who owns it. We have to have somebody who owns the process. Now, if you're you know, a, a bivocational pastor at a smaller church or a single staff member, that, that may not need to be you, but is there somebody in your church that has that natural gift of hospitality that can begin to put this together on a little bit more of an institutional level? Um, and, and I think that, that we do have to start exactly where we are and then build. So figure out where those gaps are. Figure out uh, how it is that someone perceives the church from the outside. And one of the greatest ways of doing that, you don't need a consultant. You don't need to read a stack of books. You need to invite a friend to church. And I guarantee you that when you invite in somebody that you've been investing in for the sake of the gospel, you will see every wart and wrinkle of your church's first-time guest process. Um, because you, you've you got a lot at stake. You've got a lot invested in that relationship, and you don't want it to go south. So just doing that, investing a, a couple of hours this weekend, will pay, I think, great dividends in the future of, of how you build out a process like this. Wow, Danny, that's, that's a really great challenge. Um, as we get ready to wrap up here, I'd just love to hear from each of you any final words and challenges you may have to our listeners on this concept of biblical hospitality. Ashley, we'll start with you. Um, I think as you think about the people, if we can't reach them, then we can't disciple them. And so if we're going to truly live on mission together, we have to know how to reach people, and then we have to know how to disciple them, which means we have to live by these principles of biblical hospitality. One of my favorite books is The Gospel Comes with a House Key by Rosario Butterfield, and it's a great read on just how your entire life should be focused on the gospel and how do we live that out daily. And if we can't reach people, we can't disciple them. And if we can't disciple them, we can't send them. And so our goal with NC Baptist is to live on mission together. And this is a really important key for all of our churches, but just for us as believers. Wow, that's really great. Danny, any final thoughts for our listeners? Yeah, just to absolutely affirm what Ashley said, this cannot be a Sunday-only mentality. Uh, If we do a really good job of welcoming our neighbors into our congregation on Sunday, but we ignore those neighbors or uh, badmouth those neighbors or flame those neighbors on social media during the week, then we may as well not even have showed up on on a Sunday morning. And so I I think that this has to go beyond being a guest services team, and it has to be a part of our culture, not only of our congregation and our church, but also just the culture that we live during the week. That's really good. Both of our guests have been phenomenal today here with us, and we are so thankful for them. Danny, what's the best way for our guests to reach you if they wanted to? Yeah, happy to help in any way that I can with uh, local churches. That is my heartbeat um, over on my website, which is just dfranks.com. That is just years worth of resources on guest services, volunteer culture, leadership development, all of the above. Um, you can get in touch with me there, or you can just email me directly at dfranks at summitchurch.com. Ashley, how about for you? If our guests want to follow up with you, how could they reach you? 
so I get to live in the best of both worlds and I get to serve our local church, but I also get to serve here with churches across the state. And so um, as we truly live on mission together, the churches across North Carolina can reach me through ncbaptist.org slash women's discipleship and visit our page there and connect with me. And um, I'm happy to resource them in any way. Well, as we wrap up today, I do want to highlight that Danny does have a book, People Are the Mission, that goes in even greater depth on how we can make people the heartbeat of our church and how we can make them the mission. As we are on mission together, our mission is ultimately to reach people. Thank you both again for joining us today. It has been a phenomenal conversation, and I'm excited to share it with NZ Baptist. Thanks for having us. Thanks, Bradley. Thank you for joining us today. Because of your generosity to NC Baptist, this podcast, along with other helpful resources, are made available for you. Learn more by visiting ncbaptist.org slash give.